we're stuck in Genesis 16. I can't help it. I just got there. And um, I'm, I'm doing this for a purpose. I, I don't ever try to do anything out of purpose. Because from what we're seeing here, a, of Abram and Sarai, they do not look like someone who ought to be put in Hebrews chapter 11. They do not look like someone who ought to be put in the book of Romans as a, a type of faith. They do not look like something that is in the book of Galatians as a difference between flesh and and uh, spirit. They also don't look like what is recorded primarily in 1 Peter chapter 3 about them. And so all the way through the Bible, this particular sin is going to affect everything from now on. From the time that they commit this first sin, it will affect everything from now on. Now, I want to tell you, I am not here to hurt you. I'm here to help you. I think if you've been through one of these situations um, or someone, you're a victim of one of these situations, you've been hurt enough. Uh, So I'm not here to hurt you. I want to help you. And if God gives me enough time tonight, uh, I'm going to get to some place. And God just, I I knew I should have known this. I've studied it, and I really did know it. But I just didn't uh, put it to practice like I should. And so uh, we're going to talk tonight, you know, about that never-ending happenings when we jump God's gun, okay? The never-ending happenings when we jump God's gun. Uh, This chapter really should be titled, you know, what happens when we refuse to wait on God. It's, it's tough, okay? So, uh, you know, I heard, I heard about one guy, and he was talking to another guy about dogs. He said, he said well, I, 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 got a, I, I got a poodle for my wife today. He said, boy, I wish I could make a trade like that. And we don't want, why? We don't want families like that, do we? <laughs> right? Right? There's another guy, he was going to get married. And so he decided that, you know, he, he was nervous, he was shaky, and, and he went and he got down on one knee and he held the ring up and that thing was glistening, you know. That's, that's the way to get them, man. They, they, they look at that. They don't care about you, but they like that ring right there. And so he got on one knee, and this is what he said, Charlotte, would you settle for me? <laughs> now, some of us may feel that way, but I don't think God wants us to be like that. Do you? So I'm dealing with this because I want to show you how marriage is supposed to go, not how people today think it's supposed to go. Did you know that since people started dealing with this area of marriage that we still have, and and it's even increased, a stronger divorce rate than we had before? Before James Dobson. Now, after James Dobson and many other writers like him, you know, the, all the, all the, many of them are great books. Many of them have wonderful books. But the thing is, it hasn't stopped and hasn't helped our families. And I believe the reason is, is because the hurting never stops. Somebody somewhere has got to learn how to deal with the pain of going through these situations. So that's what I'm trying to do um, to, you say, well, why should it hurt us so? Let me tell you why. 
because it's a sin against love. It wouldn't hurt if you didn't love. Can I get a, get a witness? You see, you can sit here on Wednesday night and you can hear prayer requests about someone else and you can have a certain amount of sympathy for them, but if you don't really know them, it's real difficult for that to be the burden of your heart. But if it's your grandchild or it's your child or it's your brother, your sister, your mother, your daddy, whatever it might be, then it bothers us because that means the burden of love is there. We care about them. We care about them. So the reason that God touched us in the first place is that we realized we were sinning against the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him might have eternal life shall not perish, right? So before we got saved, what was our sin? A sin against his love. A sin against his grace. That's where we are. And that's why if you're hurting tonight, it's because... You, you, or you know someone who's hurting tonight, it's because that there was love in the heart that hurts. If you can just walk away and it doesn't bother you, or you can just move on and no problems, there probably wasn't much there, right? So let's look tonight as we would. First of all, we look, you know the story. Um, Sarah's getting, she's uh, 80 and she can't have any children, hadn't had any up to now. And, and God's already promised Abraham at 90 he's going to have a child. And so he, uh, a little before that, I think 87, and, and he says uh, he's just waiting on God. And Sarah, she gets tired of waiting on God. And since she can't have a child, she's got a servant. Her servant, he, she said, I'll just, I'll just let her be the surrogate here. She'll just be the one who, who bears the child, and, and, and yet I will be, I will have a child like God promised. Well, the, that wasn't like God promised. Had nothing to do with what God promises. She just couldn't wait on God, right? She just couldn't wait on God. So that's where we are, if you're not already aware of that. And if this is your first night here. So, first of all, we looked at a fleshly solution, verses 1 through 4. We saw that, and uh, I think God helped us with a lot there. Then we um, looked at that, all those different loopholes, you know, that you go through. Um, but then I pulled out last week an addendum. And in that addendum, I wanted to talk about the consequences of that one sin as we move on up the ladder in time, as we move 2,000 years ahead or 1,500 years ahead. Matthew 5.32, Jesus brings to our attention something that, that I'd never noticed before. I, I'd noticed it, but I, I couldn't figure it out until we, I began to study what I've, I wish I'd have studied these things many years ago, and hopefully it would have made some real changes in my life, and I believe it would. But Matthew 5.32 said, But I said to you, But whosoever shall put away his wife, saying, that means except for the cause of fornication, causeth her. That bothered me. I, I couldn't get that. How could she... The one that's been victimized, how could he cause her, look, to commit adultery? He called, i tell you why. Because you remember, he brought another party into what was supposed to be one. 
Two was to become one. But now two's become three. And then his new wife makes it four. And so you've got a little mix of each in these lives. She couldn't help it because he put her away. Jesus didn't even say, put that burden on her. But that was because that that's a sin that when somebody else commits, it affects other people for, for years to come. And that's why we're in the Middle East now. And that's why we're worried about Afghanistan now. And that's why we're worried about, about, about ISIS and, and Al-Qaeda and all those kind of things. It's the reason because there's a boy named Ishmael born out of that. So it lasts forever. So... I, I, I just, in this, Matthew 5, 32, I, 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 I just, I saw some things. It's the only, he, that, it's the only sin Jesus picked out to say that if you do this, you commit adultery. If you do this, it causes her to commit adultery. It, 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 he didn't pick out any other sin. It was this sin. And so, it caused her to sin. That wasn't like that in the very beginning. You know that. And uh, so uh, I, I've already talked to you about uh, how it puts us together where we want to be or not. It takes, that, that is framed in our mind. That is framed in our flesh. Now, now understand I'm talking about our flesh, okay? It's framed in our flesh. It cannot be framed in our spirit. Because what spirit is in us? Holy Spirit. So something unholy will not be framed in our spirit, right? So it's framed and it's, and it's lodged and it's locked in uh, to your flesh and it forever hangs on a piece here and a piece there and a thought here and a thought there. It just hangs on. And so he, he said that even though it is an act not of forgivable sin, all sins are forgivable, but it's an unforgettable sin. That's what he's talking about. It leaves a scar. Now, I'm going to show you how this thing's over, how to, how to get this thing fixed, because it just, I finally got a hold to it today. I finally, I believe, saw what God was wanting us to see in, this, in, in these texts tonight, and I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and finish about this marriage thing. So as we go through the Bible, we'll see how they violate so many of God's principles and how we do too, right? Because in Mark, 4, in, 10, in Mark 10 verse 11 says, Whosoever shall put away wife and marry another committeth adultery. Whosoever shall put away his wife, marry another could put a committed causes or committed adultery. Now, we, we see the cause of sin. We see the covenant of sin was in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. You, you remember that? Where God said, Don't, if you're going to make a vow, you better mean it. If you're going to promise something, do it. Because God said, I heard your promise, and when you promised, you meant to do it. People stand here on this stage or they stand wherever they wherever we, we, we perform the services and I've married hundreds and 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 they they say uh, that they commit themselves till death do them part. There'll never be another in their life. Folks, that's a vow you better not break. Because God said if you do, 
There'll be consequences. Malachi 2.14 calls it a covenant. Proverbs 2.17 will. So then that brings us to the uh, confession or the confusion of that sin. And I talked a little bit about that. In other words, when you put all that junk in your mind, you see, we don't just, I'm not just talking about divorce here. I'm talking about fornication. Jesus said, if a man looketh upon a woman and lusts after her, he has committed adultery already in his heart. So don't sit here tonight and say, he ain't talking about me. Yes, I am. Yeah, uh, you don't y'all look at me that pie. How many of you men here could absolutely say you've lived your life and you never have lusted after another woman? You were sitting there waiting on your wife at the mall, and here she comes. We're trying for nobody to see you but your father. Oh, and then your wife, well, what are you looking at? <laughs> Nothing. I just saw something in the window over there at that store, and I just oh, I looked that way. And so, and so this is for everybody. But let me tell you something. We're seeing uh, there, there are people that are, there's such filthy, vile pornography now that folks have access on your cell phone to, on your uh, 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 on your television, it doesn't matter where you go, you have access, you can pull up the filthiest, most vile things in the world. And when we get all that mess stuck in our head, and then we got somebody coming out and saying, well, I don't know why I'm a boy or a girl. And the mom and daddy says, well, we got to decide which gender they want to be. First of all, they ought to go out and show them what kind they are and come in and say, this is a boy and this is a girl. It don't take a moron to figure that out. Good gracious. You don't get to determine that. That's God's business. We don't, we don't get to say, uh, you know, you, you hear these people that say, well, you know, I've always had these tendencies. That, that's very, very possible because I've always had tendencies of rebellion in me. I've always had tendencies of, 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 toward alcohol maybe or t- tendency toward gambling. And, 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 and some of you, you've had tendencies toward that. Whatever your fleshly tendency is, that's where the devil hits you the strongest. That's why porno is so addictive. Y'all getting me? Now, I probably didn't need to get off on that, but you see it, okay? Now, let me give you some counsel on this sin. Um, This intimacy will cause distance. You can look here in our text, and you find that as soon as it took place, as soon as this arrangement between Sarah and Abra took place already we had a problem because she gave her husband to which she has no right to do to somebody else and so that was embedded in their minds and in their hearts she didn't think about that she didn't think about that at all so what do you do when you've been victimized by another's fornication, or maybe several times of fornication, another's adultery, what do you do? And, and it finally dawned on my, I, I, I have a hard head. I know some of you would doubt that, but uh, I do have a hard head. 
But that's, when I, that's only because it took a hard-headed preacher for a hard-headed people, and God put me here. So uh, he did Ezekiel that way, you remember? Uh, so I'm going to help you to show you how to stop the hurting at least while you're filled with the Spirit, okay? Number one, we need to learn the, how to renew our minds. I, I don't know why I haven't seen that, how to renew our minds. Because sin has a way of changing our spirit, Right? David said it in Psalm 5110. He, he said it there. And then uh, also, when you go through these things, Isaiah chapter 40 said you lose your strength when, you, when, you're, when you're bound up by some uh, sin and you can't get over it and you're hurting inside and, and you're hurting in your mind. And, 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 and he says, I'll give you something to help you mount up with wings as eagles. And you can fly that old desert you're in. And so Hebrews 3.12 says that sexual sin hardens our heart. So we, we want to, as we go down through here and look at a few of these things, how it affects our mind, can you stay with me? There's a few more verses. Ephesians 4, we'll go to Colossians 3, Romans 12, and Titus 3. Probably those last two we won't get to, but um, stay with me, Okay. First of all, I want you to look at the contrition of this marital sin. What I mean by contrition, the Bible speaks of a contrite heart. Y'all remember that? Contrite means crushed. How many of you have been crushed in your heart? You don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can if you want to. But I, I know many in our church who's been crushed in their heart. Crushed in their heart. But I also know some folks who have got to the point to where they have allowed this particular sin that either they did or somebody else did to harden them. And God says if you want to get over this thing, the person who committed that sin is going to have to confess his sin because his spirit needs to be changed according to Psalm 51.10 when David is describing his experience with Bathsheba. Are y'all with me? I mean, he says, give me another spirit. Look what he said. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. You know what the word create there is? Now, this will get you up here. Y'all listening to me? The word create is the word bara. It's the word that means make me brand new. Make me a something I'm not. Make me something I could never be. That's what he's saying. And then he said, with that, renew a right spirit within me. You see, he lost the spirit. Sexual sin will cause you to do that and harden unless you do something about it. So, it, it, let me just tell you now, folks, when there's sexual sin in your life, number one, you need to clear it up with God. I mean clear it up with God. Number two, you need to clear it up with your mate. If it's a husband who sinned against his wife, you need to clear it up. 
And if it's a wife who sinned against her husband, I'm talking about sin that is known, sin that they're aware of. I, I don't know that if, uh, if there's unknown sin that it should be unless it comes up. I think every couple, and I tell every couple that comes in my office, just to be honest with each other before you get married. So clear it up with God, clear it up with your mate, and he had come to the place, David, in Psalm 51, where he couldn't even stand himself. He couldn't stand himself for what he'd done. Verse 3, he had to acknowledge his sin, and then he had to abhor his sin. In other words, he didn't just, confession is not just saying it. We're not Catholics, are we? Well, y'all tough crowd tonight. Listen, you don't just need to come in and say the words. Anybody can do that. Hundreds have done it right here. They said the words, walked right out that door, and continued the actions. Kept the same thing. Why? Because they acknowledged it, but they didn't abhor it. You got to hate what you've done. You got to hate it to the core. And you ought to be so proud, so thrilled that the God of grace, that the God of love, that the God of mercy would even have time to fool with you. And you ought to be grateful if your mate even comes close to staying with you. Because they're not bound by God to do so. So it affects the mind. Now, you say, well, how do you know? Well, there has to be, uh, according to verse 6 and 7, there has to be some thoroughness. In other words, you've got to remember it. And, and don't just try to get away with God. Well, God, I wouldn't confess my sin, but I can't remember what they all are. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. You remember them? You remember when you, you, when you did things you shouldn't do morally? You remember, don't you? We don't forget that. And so he was so broken over it. He said, God, I know you want more than that. I, he said, I know you want me to and I, I abhor it and confess it all. And then there should be an evidence of that repentance. If you'll read further in Psalm 51, he'll say, God, if you'll just fix me up, I'll tell you I'll be a different man. And he was. He was. He was a different man. So, the expectations of God, when you hear me tonight, you tell your, ch you tell your children uh, as they get to that age to where you need to do that. Moms and dads need to pick that place and time. You tell your children that God has some expectations towards you. And they are that you remember your sin before him, state it, confess it, and then hate it because it will never stop going on. And so the less we bring ourselves under the flesh, the better off we are. Because we can't do these things when we're filled with the Spirit of God. 
No helping me? Am I just messing you up? You say, why do you say that? Because repentance has to do with godly sorrow, 2 Corinthians 7, 9. In other words, he said, I repented, but I didn't repent it of repentance, I'll be repented of. In other words, I, 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 I repented, but not that I'll be sorry for it. I'm glad I did it. I'm not going to go out here and say, oh, well, I'd like to have kept this little part of it, or I'd like to have kept that little memory in my life. I'd like to have kept this little box in my life. No, 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 no. No, you've got to hate it, all of it. Everything connected with it. And so God expects that from you. You don't blame anybody else. You don't ignore the fact that your mate knows about it. You don't pretend things didn't happen and you don't give them partial truth. Because if you'll be honest, God will help you. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, he renew the spiritual zeal you have. In other words, he'll start to change your spiritual habits. And instead of you laying down there in the desert, a, a squawking and a caulking and, and them having to drop food to you, you, break, you get up and you fly that rock that you was on and you peck that rock to that old mess falls off your bill and then you start soaring like God meant for you to soar. You don't live under that sin. Amen? So... Um, he, he, he tells us that, and by the way, when you have time sometime, you can look up Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, for anyone who has, had, uh, has been immoral in their life, it gives you hope after that. If you were saved, now God may have chastened you unmercifully, but you were never lost again. I don't give you a license to go sin but if you want God to beat the daylights out of you, it does give you a license for that. Go sin, see what happens. Okay? So, it's obvious by our other mate that something's happened in our life. I don't know where y'all are still with me or not, but that daily renewal in our life Daily getting things clear the air with each other or with God. Listen, it it will keep depression from eating us. Nothing makes a person feel as rotten as a Christian and even many times a non-Christian who has been immoral in their life and look back on it and say, what a fool I was. And you'll be okay till next time, and then you're back again. But this scar, I got good news for you, will be gone someday. Not down here. They'll bury you with that scar and that old flesh. But the flesh ain't going up, flesh is rotting. And one of these days, your scars will rot away but your spirit will fly away. Mm, I think that's good where you do or not. But if you're not going to honestly tell the whole story and answer questions when, when your mate asks them, I think you ought to be willing to answer every question when your mate has discovered your sin. Uh, you need to 
ask him, ask him uh, things that's going to bother you down the road, things you're going to have to struggle down the road so you don't give the devil any ammunition. Am I making any sense? Okay. Because when the trust factor is broken, it may never be restored. Be careful about breaking your trust factor. Little things could have made things a lot better, like falling before your mate as you fell before God and doing the same thing. What a fool I was. I'm so sorry. I never needed or wanted anybody but you, but I messed up. I messed up. And I ask with all my heart you forgive me. Because I've gotten it right with God. I want to get it right with you. Is that okay with y'all? All right. Now, I want you to turn to Ephesians 4. Do it real quick. Ephesians 4.23. And this is something I want you to put these all down. This is why I wanted to write the book. I, I don't know now that I'll ever have time <laughs> to do it. But uh, maybe God let me live after I... Uh, quit pastoring. I ain't never quitting preaching, but uh, write long enough to write it to help somebody. Look what Ephesians 4.23 says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, where is most of our sin come from? Where's the devil's best attack? Here. How you think, what you think. He attacks us here. He shoots at us here. And it's the hardest place to defend. Because there you have to, uh, there's where your reasoning section is. There's where your imagination section is. There's where everything comes from right there. We, and so he attacks our mind. Now everything spiritual comes from down here, even though we use this up here. But this is our motor that runs our mind. But when we get in the flesh, the devil is the motor who runs our mind. I don't think y'all got it, but I hope you did. So there needs to be a daily renewal. And Ephesians 4.23 lets us know, here's how. To put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, Wherefore, putting away lying. If you read every, every connection where Paul deals with marriage, he always puts lying real close to it. They'll lie once, they'll lie twice. So he says, you put away your lying. Speak every man the truth with his neighbor. For we are members one for another. But then he goes to the partner who's been offended. Look. Be angry and sin not, and let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. How many marriages could have been saved if after somebody messed up, they knew they messed up, went to their mate, got on their knees, and said, what a fool I've been. If you receive me, I'll give everything I can to make sure that I'll never lie to you that you'll never have to worry about where I'm at or what I'm doing. So that's why I say answer every question, lay it out honestly, so that those imaginations of the mind cannot come back to haunt them, and then they haunt you. Okay? And by the way, do it as soon as possible. The longer it goes, it went 13 years here, 
the longer it goes, the worse off you are. In verse 27, he says, you want a good marriage, work hard, give generously, uh, give generously, keep your mouth of grace because you received it. And in verse 31, 32, quit talking mean to each other, but be kind, understanding, and forgiving. How many of you talk mean to your mate? Don't, y'all ain't going to admit it, but how many of you, uh, let, women, how many of you husbands talk mean to you? Let me see your hands. <laughs> y'all scared to death. And we got a scared bunch. I don't know about a convicted bunch, but we got a scared bunch, okay? All right. Here's, here's what I want you to do. Because I, 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 I want to get to this, and if I don't, I won't, I won't do it because I promised you I'd put this thing together in First Peter. But just write down the verses. Get an get a, a outline. It's frame, uh, a frame um, outline at, at the uh, welcome desk when you leave, and it'll have all these verses on it. But Colossians 3, 2 through 5 tells us again to put that old person to death. So here's the deal, folks. When your mate gets saved, you're married to a new person. Not the same one you marry. Woo! That's good, isn't it? I mean, it looks like the same body, looks like the same person in its looks. But no, 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 no. It's not the same person. It's a new man. It's a new woman. How? In the spirit. Because the flesh will look like that until you get about 50 and then it starts, everything starts falling apart, okay? But the spirit, you can keep a sweet spirit, amen? So hidden things you lie about will cause you continual problems of bitterness and deceit uh, because uh, that's why we've got to be uh, just really honest, like he says in Colossians and Ephesians. And so um, you have the other verses I gave you, and here's what I want to do tonight. I want you to turn to 1 Peter 3, and this is where we're going to close out, okay? Uh, they'll kill me in Awana. Look, look, 1 Peter 3, I'm going to give them to you fast, so I want you to go, okay? Are you ready? 1 Peter chapter 3. Now, we're talking in verses 1 through 6, I mean 1 through 7, about Abraham, Sarai, okay? How that, uh, then their names had been changed. Something desperately changed in their life for them to have this kind of relationship. And I'm talking about old people. These weren't young people. Something had to change because they was in a mess here when Hagar came along with that baby, Ishmael. But here, look. First of all, believe your mate will get better. Verse number one. Say, so how can I subject to, to a lost person? Believe your mate will be bettered. Believe your mate will be saved. Number two, uh, your life and your conduct uh, becomes purer and cleaner, and he can't help but see it. You, you talk to him or you talk to her differently and both of you will talk each other differently to each other. Uh, also, uh, notice that it says fear sinning. And so both of you now has a new fear. The greatest fear you have from now on is ever sinning again. And when you do it, it breaks your heart. You got to go back and get it fixed. 
okay? All right? And then, look, he says, your clothing. You start dressing for your mate, not for somebody else's mate. Ooh, I'm striking out tonight. Verse number four. You get, you make sure that you start to understand that this guy here sees the hidden person of your heart. He sees what he couldn't see before. He sees some things that there was, wasn't even there before. And he says, now you put on a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God. Listen, a meek and quiet spirit in the sight of God is of great price. So, pleasing your mate should become your priority in verse 5 and 6. Put your pout and your mouth under his leadership. One. One, not two, three, four. Even if you haven't done that in the past, now you come back and put yourself under your husband's, your wife's, your mate's leadership, okay? Today, because the Bible says, submit yourself one to another in the fear of God. Now, you got to do that in roles. If, if you're a husband, you've got to submit to a husband as before God and what God said in the book. If you're a wife, you got to submit to your husband because of what God said in the book. And if you're a child, you got to submit to mama and daddy or you get a spanking according to the book. Okay? Now, all right, write, this, write this down. Verse number six. Today, totally trust your mate. You don't ever have to distrust your mate. Dwell. The word dwell here means continue to live together with increasing knowledge. Continue to live together with increasing knowledge. That meant that he's talking about a couple that's old, but they're learning. And and also, you feel like you are a, uh, you are at, you're not at the back of the love line anymore. You're you you you're you're now in her and his good graces. Never could line up before. You just never could meet their expectations but now you, you've got a, you're married to a new woman new woman you see if you're a virgin as a young person in this building tonight you'll never have this problem because there will never be anything imprint, imprint, imprinted on your mind except the one you marry and the one you marry will be the only rule of your life and it'll be the only person in your life just them you won't have to have anything coming back. The devil can't use any of that against you. Y'all with me? All right, look. They, 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 they do not, according to verse 7, put their mates down to each other. Likewise, dwell with them according to knowledge. Yes, we do. But we give honor to the wife. That means that we respect her role as unto the weaker vessel, thank her for ironing your shirt. You say, well, I take mine to dry cleaners. Well, go thank the dry cleaning woman for it then. But now here it is. Marriage was to keep 
flesh under control. Right down 1 Corinthians 7 verse 5. The very last thing that God says to save marriage is sexual relationship. Not the first. Because he uses the word no when he tells us they knew each other. And the very last thing, Paul said, well, if you just can't do it, if you just can't help but lust, then you ought to get married. And, verse, and, and number nine, he heals and forgives. But don't remove the scar. It's still in the flesh. You'd never be tempted if it hadn't known that. He lives in you. But your mind can't switch from one to the other. You can't have your mind and during this experience on someone else. And, and you can't have your mind on this experience with someone else. You, you just can't do that. It just won't work that way. And that's how you learn each other, okay? And don't blame the other one for your sin. You take it. Own it. It's mine. Don't blame your wife. Don't blame your husband. And then I guess the last thing is reconcile. Something happened here. We don't know what, what happened, but he said, finally, be of all one mind, having compassion one another, love his brethren, be pitiful. Be, and oh, Lord, their marriage set the tone for this, and so they recognize, they reconciled. In other words, they turned back to a positive, unbroken repentance. I mean, broken repentance, and they turned back to God. So we won't do it your way. I'm sorry for what we've done, but we will do it your way from now on. 